There's never just two sides to a sports issue. Welcome to Three Sides Sports Talk. It's the final countdown. Welcome everyone to Three Sides Sports Talk. Todd, Jerry, Jeff, with you again. Going into the last week of the season, never before said, week 18 in the NFL, and it's a big one. It's it's massive, actually. We initially thought, oh, maybe week 18 will be for the division, that number one seed. No, week 18, survive and make the playoffs. This is, this is essentially pre-wild card playoff week, because if you win, you get to keep going. And if not, what a disappointing season. But before we get to that, uh, before we get to Rams week, let's go back to Texans week. That being really Trey Lance week. Trey Lance got the start. We kind of thought that's the way it was going when we last talked to you because Jimmy hadn't practiced. He had the injury, didn't even suit up for the Texans game. So Trey got the start. I think he might get another start, but let's get into it. Let the love fest begin. Jerry in his number five. 49er jersey so uh kick us off kick it off tell me tell me about your undying devotion and love for the man well first of all happy new year guys um you know it was definitely a happy happy time to be to be a Niner fan because Trey Lance finally got to play obviously the beginning wasn't great (laughs) you know some of the guys were still trying to find their groove like Elijah Mitchell who after a four-week layoff due to injury, you know, was a little rusty early. And Kyle Shanahan just seemed uncomfortable calling plays for his rookie quarterback, you know, being compelled to keep things ultra-conservative. And, of course, Trey Lance was not only trying to knock off some rust, but also the nerves since, you know, not only was this just the second start of his career, but it was the first start at home, you know, after being put on the shelf the last 11 weeks and not having any taken any – meaningful snap since week five so it really should not have been surprising that they all got off to a rocky start but then the Trey Lance show came to life in the second half and boy did that show did he show why the Niners drafted him third overall and mortgaged their future to do so because he was exactly what us Niner fans have been hoping for which is a quarterback with the talent to air it out and threaten all areas of the field, especially deep. And the more Shanahan allowed Lance to throw the ball, the more confident he was slinging the rock. So, I mean, we're talking about averaging the most air yards per attempt by any Niner quarterback in the last four seasons with explosive plays like that 45-yarder to Debo and the 43-yarder to Ayuk and a 29-yarder to Kittle and on and on. I mean, even when he didn't complete the pass. It was awesome to be able to draw a DPI on the opponent for a change. And what's even better, in my opinion, was that he didn't need to rely on his legs to be effective. In fact, it sure seems that he's not a Cam Newton or a Lamar Jackson type, but rather more of a Ben Roethlisberger or a Russell Wilson type of quarterback who uses his mobility to extend plays so that he can make plays through the air and he, can, he would only run as a last resort. Because frankly, I'm not a fan of these design quarterback runs where Lance keeps getting smacked. I mean, this is not the FBS where he can just run over anybody. And I think Kyle should maybe relegate those quarterback runs to just within the red zone. But 
anyway, I just I think it was a very encouraging game for Trey and the Niners who were able to stay in playoff contention. And I just really hope Kyle lets Trey start against the Rams this week, regardless of Jimmy's health and just let the kid play. What do you think, Jeff? Yes, I will uh, echo your uh, happy new year. And again, I was, I, I thought that same thing, like happy new year. It's a, it's a new year and a, and a new guy at quarterback yet watching that first half. I was like, man, what's going on? I just watched it back a little bit ago and I was equally as uh, uh, bored. I don't know if I was sleepy or what, but like some of the play play calls or just the, the execution. It was like, man, and then we started worrying about, like, are they going to run this guy into the ground again? Like, let's not do that. Which, thankfully, there was only maybe a couple, two or three, whatever, runs. At one point, maybe a couple in a row. But let's, let's not do that. Just get the ball to Elijah Mitchell. Get the ball to your playmakers. I think, you know, yeah, going into that second half, definitely we saw some some better uh, glimpses of, of what Trey Lance can do. But, yeah, the first half was pretty brutal. And, you know, people say, like, oh, it's still an NFL team. But, like, I – I just wasn't giving and still am not really giving credit like to the Texans and this David Coley guy and Davis Mills yet. Like overall just seemed like, what are we doing? This is a must win game. And they just came out like really struggling seven to three at half or whatever down. Like, man, that was, that was just hard to, hard to kind of swallow that for for a while there, but we turned it around and and got things going. So got some calls in our favor. Um, I think we got like two or three pass interferences though against our defensive backs. At one point, even when we took Norman out, put Johnson in there, that he got a pass interference. Like, oh my god! So, but yeah, it was good in the end to fight, to get the win. So that that's good. And then now we go to the Rams, and I want to echo what um, I think it was Papa said on the radio. Who said we should have 18 weeks? Because if this was over, we'd be in the playoffs. So uh, now, now we got 18 weeks, 17 games. So now we're you know, now we've got a must-win game again, like Jerry liked to say earlier in the year. Every This game is a must-win, and like, here we go again. Oh, this is a must-win. And it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be hard to beat the Rams again. So, yeah, we'll see, man. <laughs> we can get into that a little bit later, right, Todd? Uh, yeah, we'll get into a lot of stuff. Like, like it's Rams week, so that we're going to get into that. We're going to take a swing around the NFL. The playoff picture is kind of shaping up. We're each going to take a chance of – putting our spin on fixing some of these NFL teams, which I think is going to be interesting because in the next, in the next week, playoffs are going to be set. Coaches are going to start getting fired. GMs are going to be fired. Like lots going to happen in the NFL. So to get a jump on that, we'll try and do some of our things, but getting back to Trey Lance and the game, I will echo what you guys talked about. And you guys really said it well in terms of, it was very conservative in the first half. Very, I mean, whether, no matter, whatever the reason was, play calling, play design, pulling the trigger, whatever, very conservative. I mean, it led to just punt, 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 you know, back and forth, which was, it was one of those games that got me worried because you can't let that type of team just hang around because uh, who knows what's going to happen. You never know when Josh Norman's going to, give you a 37 yard pass interference followed by a Dante Johnson, 20 yard, pass, 55 yards without completing a pass or gaining a, a yard on the ground would just be a penalty. I, I did like the fact that Kyle or, or D'Amico, whoever it was 
told Norman, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and put your uh, helmet away because uh, you're not going to be needed the rest of the rest of the day. Um, and I liked what I saw from Trey Lance. I think he demonstrated a lot of the things that we all hoped he would. He showed his size. He showed his mobility to move around, but still keep his eyes downfield. He showed the, the strong arm, uh, the, the touchdown to Debo. The, most of the times you get the old, you know, lets the ball go, ball leaves the frame of the TV, and you hope it comes down into, you know, the right guy. Ball never left the frame of the TV. It was on a line, you know, which was, again, demonstrated his, his arm strength, which is one of the things that they had talked about early on was, does he need to take something a little bit off some of these balls? Does he need to throw 100 miles an hour every time? No. And I think you saw a little bit of that. But when he does need to let it rip, he can let it rip. And it was nice to see. In fact, I thought one of his best throws was the incomplete pass to Ayuk in the end zone on a go route. You never see the Niners just run the straight go. Um, and Ayuk, you know, got eh, you know, a quarter of a step, half a step on his man. And Trey put it out there. Ayuk got a hand on it, you know, as he was kind of diving, lunging. But he put it into a really good place. So I think you saw a lot of the things that intrigue and entice and excite the fan base and the coaches and the players around him. So all that was good. I also saw a lot of things that make me real, real nervous for this week because there's just too many things that in a must-win game going against the Rams who are trying to break a big losing streak, who have plenty to play for on their own. Um, it makes it makes me as as nervous as I've been all year. So we'll have to we'll, we'll see what it is that that he does. So um, as as far as you know, who's going to start? I think it's I think it's going to be Trey. Just because I don't think Jimmy's going to be able. He hasn't practiced, and, he, and it's not like it's not like a sore ankle where he can just stand there and throw the ball. Like he can't grip the football, you know, with his with his hand. So. Kyle did say after the game, you know, if if Jimmy was 100%, he would be the starter, but nobody's 100%. And he finds it hard to believe that Jimmy would get up to 100% for this game. So uh, we all know Kyle's not going to make the, the announcement probably until game time, no matter what, even for his own competitive advantage. But I would expect to see Trey Lance once again this week. So you're not buying the conspiracy theory, huh? That this was just a one-game benching and – so they played up the whole injury so that Jimmy can save face, that it wasn't a benching and that the Niners can retain value, his trade value, while Jimmy can, you know, and his agents can sort of retain their own value as still a legitimate starting quarterback. No, don't, I, I don't buy it at all right now. If, if he, if he starts this week, yes, that's not only a conspiracy theory, that's absolutely what happened because you don't go from, I mean, why, why call it a thumb injury? Why not just go with the old back spasms? You know, like you, you, you can't see those. And it's like a hamstring. Go with something that doesn't require, like if he goes out, if he's all of a sudden, okay, after that elaborate week of medical, oh, it's a fleck that's peeled off with a lick. Why go through all that for, you know, what could be, 
he got back tightness and you know he can't he can't move right now like and oh okay the back you know we massaged it out the back's good he's back out there so I mean if he's out there against the Rams yeah that's what happened he got he got a one-week benching uh it gave Trey the the soft landing of playing against the Texans and you know we go from there but I I don't I don't buy that right now but did you see the video the video that someone posted showing that after the Titans game, he was opening the water bottle and his hand looked just fine. And they were talking about how if his thumb was really hurting or bothering him during the game, that don't you think after the game, it would have been wrapped or even ice or something? Yeah, I saw it. I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's too, too many times, you know, again, it, it's the same thing that happened to Lance in his first start against Arizona. Remember, he played the whole game and then woke up the next morning. He's like, I can't bend my knee. Hold on. How'd you get hurt? You walked to the podium. You you finished the game. How can you be hurt? This is just a, a conspiracy to get Jimmy back. No, these, these things happen, you know? And I mean, and by all accounts, again, the elaborateness of this conspiracy theory of Jimmy got hurt. He told, he told the trainers. Now, did he not tell the trainers and the trainers are now in on this and they're too many people, you know, have to be on the same line for this to, to happen. So no, not, not, not happening. Not in my mind. Well, either way, I think even if Jimmy were healthy at this point, I'd rather go with Trey. You guys know I've been on the Trey bandwagon for a long time. And I think that, Hey, look, I get it. The rookiness with Trey Lance is scary, but, and maybe Trey makes mistakes, but Jimmy makes mistakes. And the difference is that Trey is a rookie and he's our future. Whereas Jimmy is a 30 year old vet who shouldn't be making these mistakes. And maybe that's why his time with the Niners is up because Jimmy's undependability and his injured throwing hand, if it is injured, is a lot scarier. And if it is injured, I definitely don't want to see Jimmy on the field because the last time Jimmy came back while he was hurt, it was against Miami Dolphins last season. We saw how well that went. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say that I guess that, you know, if Jimmy is, is healthy uh, based on what everyone says about him and the, and the leader he is and the year he's had, I would say he's going to be out there. So, I mean, it's hard to just yank him out of there, but if he's not healthy, then yeah. I mean, I think we have to go with Trey, right? Just, to, just taking them for their word. We have to go with Trey and Trey had a decent game. And that, yes, this is a must win. Everyone needs to step up, not just the quarterback, right? So, so if he's if he's injured and he can't grip the ball, I mean, you can't throw him out there. I mean, regardless of the guys like him or if he's a good leader. So you have to go with Trey, and and he has to have a good game, right? And this is a must win, like I said. Um, but but yeah, I just don't want to see Trey uh, like some of those plays getting hit. Like I think it was twice where I was totally cringe, man. Like he's gonna get killed or get a concussion. Like these guys flying up there and just lowering their head right into him and like you know there's no little call or anything like that but man it's, he's got he's got to be careful shanahan's got to be careful right there's yeah so I, I just hate to see that part of trey's game um and but i and i will say and again it's a it's a big love fest right now because you guys have loved trey and wanted trey from from day one but you you talked about his his rookiness and his rookie mistakes it is 100% clear to me why Kyle does not trust him. He does not see the field yet. The, the play that, and I'm sure you guys remember it because I saw the text come 
right after it. What an incredible play. The one down on like the five yard line, second down, he kind of rolls, you know, goes left and rolls right, hits Ayuk for the first down on a, you know, where he scrambled. He missed two wide open receivers on slants. He, it was a three-step drop and both Ayuk and Kittle were wide open. And that's why if, if, if Jimmy's doing that, it's one, two, three balls out, you know? And that, again, that's what Kyle wants. One, two, three balls. Now the end product was great because it ended up in a first down. Um, but those are the type you, you always want to talk about. Why, why doesn't Kyle see what we see? Or why doesn't Kyle? It's because Kyle sees that type of stuff where his, he wants his quarterback to go boom, 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 follow the script, do the play, make the read, make the pass. You know, same thing that happened on the one, the one play that again, in, ended up in a first down to Sherfield, but it was one of those little, little bootlegs, Kittles, like just going to, right off the sideline. You know, it's, it's one of those quick dump off to Kittle and he picks up the first down. Well, he looks at Kittle, pump fakes, and then throws it to, to Sherfield Again, gets the first down. End result, good end result. I'm sure Kyle is looking at that going, not the read I want you to make. You know, that's, that's your secondary read. Why pass up? your first read, if he's open for your second read. So that, those are the types of things that really worry me going into this Rams game. And I hear you, and that all makes sense. But at the same time, this is exactly why I felt Shanahan and his coaching staff should have been from day one, working towards Lance becoming a starter sometime this season, working him into games so that he gets some reps so that he wouldn't be so green on week 17, week 18, right? That's exactly why what I wanted to avoid is for him to not still not see the field. Cause you look at some of these other quarterbacks like Davis Mills, was he great on Sunday? No, but you could tell that from the first moment he got a chance to play till now, he's gotten infinitely better. And, and if you think about it, he's played, the same amount of games that Trey Lance played during his time at Stanford that Trey Lance played at North Dakota, right? So that's my point about wanting to have had him get reps in games earlier on, um, just so that by the time we get later in the season, he would be a lot better at reading the field and doing the things. Yeah, I mean, right now he's definitely more of a one-read guy, but he also gives you a lot of these you know, I can get out of the pocket and make something happen kind of guy, which to your point, Kyle probably doesn't like, but it's still effective, you know, and some of those big plays, I love seeing the, you know, again, the boot and the, the pass to Debo and the boot right and the boot left. I mean, he's operating, he's right. You know, it's funny because Kyle, somebody asked Kyle like, oh, are you able to open up your playbook or give, you know, devise some plays that you couldn't have prior? And Kyle almost seemed kind of, perplexed by that question like i don't know what you're talking about we have a different playbook every game dude, dude what we're saying that you're able to run plays you can never run before because jimmy was such a limited physically limited quarterback so yes sure like the ball comes out boom 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 when you would want it to come out but guess what we don't know where it's going sometimes so i don't know i just feel like when you look when i look at jimmy i look at this you played with four starting pro bowlers on your offense and now where are we? The Niners are stuck on the brink of playoff elimination in this win or go home situation. 
That's what your quarterback who was supposed to give the Niners the best chance to win did. Okay. So he's blown what at least two, not three games so far this season. So yeah, I get what, where Kyle's coming from, but the problem is that he put all his eggs in the Jimmy G basket and it was a leaky creaky basket. And, and whether or not it was a leaky creaky basket, I mean, we, we kind of knew that though. We beat this to death, but like we knew we were going to go with Jimmy and he was the veteran and everyone loved Jimmy. And until something happened, we just figured he was going to get hurt in week four and never come back, but it didn't happen. Right. So here we are with, with Trey. So, but Trey's going to get better. He needs, like you said, he needs time. He needs to play. So we can look forward to say this time next year, he's going to hit Devo on that deep pass that he missed him on or whatever that he didn't see. Right. That, that's that's going to happen, hopefully. Right. He's going to he's going to evolve and with more playing time and more experience and look at the tablet and all that. He's going to hit those guys on those plays. So um, it's good to see he had some good balls. I mean, even the one that Debo cut across, it was a little short, but it was fine. You know, it worked out. So, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. He has some ducks, too. I mean, <laughs> or tip balls or whatever happens. So he'll get better. He's more playing time and, and all that. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just real quick. I mean, I feel like I've been hearing this ever since the win from everybody, from Tim Ryan to Joe Staley. Everybody's been saying how the most important thing for Trey is to get these live reps because there's no way for him to develop unless he does so because you cannot replicate these, like a live pass rush and these live defenses that are shifting and doing whatever, right? In order for him to get better, it's not on the scout team. He has to play. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that, that's, I, again, I don't think that's ever been in question. I, I just, I just don't, I don't think anyone denies that, that you only, you only get as good as you can get through live repetition. You can, you can mock it, you can scout team it, you can game plan it, you can do it on the whiteboard, you can do it, in, but you're not going to, you're not going to get it until you're you're out there you know doing it live against real competition who is changing defenses on the fly throwing you different looks that you've never seen totally get that i just at, but i think at, i i think at the very very best had trey played all season we are in the exact same situation but that's but even if we're in the exact same situation record-wise, as a team, we'd be way better off because Trey Lance would have gotten all that experience under his belt. I know, but I said at the absolute best. And okay, I mean, I just feel like even on his – just by his talent alone, you could probably beat the teams by and large that Jimmy's gotten wins over. Yeah, and but the you got to – he lost against, maybe Trey loses those as well. Yeah, but you, I know you don't like numbers and facts, but <laughs> – you know you know jimmy has the second highest completion length to joe burrow so it's not like he's not getting the ball into his playmaker's hands you know i mean you look at all the rookie quarterbacks every single one of them including trey has thrown at you know lawrence 17 picks in his 17 games justin fields 10 picks in his 10 games Wilson, 11 picks in 10 games. Trey, two picks in two games. So Jimmy threw 10 picks in 14 games. So you weren't getting that. You're probably going to get more picks through Trey. That's, you know, type of thing. So 
you're not getting you're not getting much better than a two to one touchdown to interception ratio, which is what Jimmy had. You know, so that's my point is at the very best, if Trey starts, you're in this position. I don't think you're you're you don't you're not at 12 wins, you know, type of thing. So yeah, but and, not, and, and we're not at 12 wins with Jimmy. I know, no, that's my point. But again, at the very best, you're right here. At the mediocre, you're you're the where the Vikings are, and you're eliminated last week because your quarterback threw untimely, you know, interceptions or dis. And again, that you saw it, you know, on the, on his interception to Kittle, he he stared him down and threw it short. Whereas Debo was wide open on a post, you know, like by ten yards. So those are the types of things that you get away with when you play the Texans. You don't get away with when you play other teams. So. That's what makes me nervous. That's what makes me really nervous going into this game that could, could, could Trey perform well? Could the running game continue to dominate? Could Brunskill continue to contain Aaron Dar- Sure, because we've seen it for three, three straight years now, five straight wins over the Rams. We've seen it, so we know it. Jimmy has won five straight games against the Rams, so we've seen it, like, can Trey go in there? I'm not putting this all on Trey, whether we win or lose, unless something happens where he makes that costly, you know, turnover at the wrong time. Or, you know, I, I texted you guys when, when the, they got the ball at the whatever five yard line. And I said, this is going to make or break how happy I am today. And that's because the Niners lead the NFL on 90 plus yard drives for touchdowns. So I wanted points. I wanted to see, here's your chance. Put together a drive, march down the field, get the points. They didn't. They ended up, you know, not kicking the field goal from the 30. They ended up going for fourth. It was, you know, not a, not a great play, whatever. But I wasn't happy because we didn't get points. I wasn't, you know, dismayed because, you know, we went to three and out, especially after we've been doing it so long. That's all I'm saying is it makes me nervous this week. And I guess for me, I know, I, again, for this week, I get what you're saying, but that's why, again, going back to the beginning, I mean, we're looking at the second game Trey Lance has ever started. And I think for a second game, he play, played pretty darn well, albeit against Houston Texans. I get that. But still, for a second start, he played pretty well. So what could have been had they just really fostered that and groomed that right from the get-go? We'll never know. Yeah, well, I guess we'll I guess we'll never know. But what makes me nervous for this is, is definitely Trey's – um, inexperience going into this game, but also it's the other, the other players, right? Like uh, whether it's Trent Williams getting another holding call or Brunskill getting blown off the ball. Can he contain Donald again? All these guys on the COVID list, like is our secondary going to be good enough? Like there's like a lot of factors that go across the, the whole team, not just Trey, but Trey's thing for this week, if he does play, is definitely going to be the inexperience, but you know, can he keep handing the ball off? Can the same game plan work against his team? And then who else is available or what, or what's our secondary condition is, is Shire coming back? Like can Bosa get to get to uh, Stafford this week type thing. So, I mean, the, a lot of factors go into it, right? I think the game, the Rams week, the Rams game will definitely be determined by the Niner coaches, meaning Shanahan, and D'Amico, I think from an offensive standpoint, if Kyle can just keep ramming it, see what he did there, ramming it down their throat with the run and then design some 
tray specific plays that the Rams won't be ready for. Cause remember that's to me, that's kind of the ace up his sleeve. I know that everybody's worried that, Oh, Trey won't be ready, but you know what? The Rams won't know what's coming. I mean, if Kyle can figure out, Hey, Trey can do this and can do that. And they've never seen it before. That's kind of an ace up their sleeve in my opinion. And as far as defensively, I mean, Demika's just got to dial up the right place because you know, they're going to be throwing it. They're going to be attacking the secondary, but Matthew Stafford, he's been, you know, giving up the ball, you know, handing over turnovers like it's candy on Halloween. You know, so we're, we, and we've got to get, we got to capitalize. Every Thomas, you got to hang on, hang on. You know, you're, you're hey. almost there. Hang on to these balls that hey. come your way. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Jimmy Ward has got to, and Kwan, Kwan Williams got to get off that COVID list. They got to play and they got to make plays. I mean, that, that's, I think that's what it'll, for me, that's what it'll um, ultimately be decided on. How Shanahan, how D'Amico devised their game. Yeah, de- definitely. The key word there is capitalize because we see that several times in these past games over the last week or so. These guys have to capitalize when the situation arises, right? I mean, you have to make that. Pay. I mean, that that changes the whole game, right? Emory Thomas picks that ball off, whether or not he returns it for a touchdown or not. I mean, it ch- changes things right there. So, I mean, you got to capitalize against the Rams. You got to play your best game, right? Like, here we go, man. Here we go. Well, Trey wasn't the only, you know, person to focus on. There was plenty of other guys, including Elijah Mitchell, who once again had a hundred yard game, um, broke the rookie rushing record for the 49ers, which had been around for like 50 years. So, I mean, props to that guy for breaking it in, in essentially 10 games. He broke, he broke the record in 10 games. He had, he now has 500 yard games in his first 10 NFL games. Only three other players in the past 30 years have done that. I mean, again, you're talking about rarefied air. Edron James, Adrian Peterson, and Ezekiel Elliott. Those are the only other players since 1990 who have had five 100-yard games in their first, you know, essentially 10 games. So I know you guys don't want to give him the rock a lot. I know, but he's the guy. He's he's the one you have to give it to. He. He's the spark plug that keeps he keeps going, and he's the one who, late in that game, you just, it's it's Kyle's way. You lean on him, you lean on, and then just at some point they just break down, like that. You just you take their will, and that's and that's Elijah Mitchell, just you know, hammer, hammer, and all of a sudden, boom, twelve yards, first down, boom, twelve yards, and you know, it's, it's late third, it's early fourth quarter, and you start salting away a game, so. Um, Props to Elijah Mitchell for, for doing that and, and eclipsing both of those, those uh, records because, again, it's fun to look back now. Absolutely no one was hooting and hollering for sixth-round pick Elijah Mitchell, you know, after the draft day. But it's, it's clear he's a diamond in a rough, a product of Shanahan system, whatever it might be, but he's been productive all year long. And the Niners would not be – where they are without him, for sure. Which is why, as you just said, they would not be here without him. He is our spark plug. He is our bell cow. And yes, you want to lean on him until you break the other team, but you don't want to lean so hard that you end up breaking him, which is why this week when they ran him, what, 20, 21 times? That's good. I didn't see any injury reports after that. That's that. I think that's all I'm saying is that, you know, you want to get to a point where this is your, one of your best players, but you're just overusing him to the point where then he's out for another couple of weeks. Right. I mean, he only played 
yes, look how effective he was in 10 games. But at the same time, I would love to have him for all 18 and beyond, you know, should the Niners be in the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. I, I would too. You guys are just too hard to please. At, <laughs> at, at three different times during the game, one or both of you said, stop running Mitchell, stop running Debo, stop running Trey. We only have so many guys who are going to run. <laughs> Somebody has to run. So, I mean, Trey's eight carries and Debo's seven, you know, it's like, that's, that's sufficient. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's not overuse for an NFL. Plus, get the ball in the hands of your playmaker. That's, that's what you're doing, you know? It's like, you can't run, you know, Trey Sermon or, or anybody else out there just because they're a different name. Like, that's, that's not a playmaker right now. So, yeah, I was just, I was just going to add before you even said that was I just thought him coming off injury and he's been great. I don't take anything away from him, but you had, I think I, as far as I know, Joe Wilson jr. Was healthy. I was surprised. That he, I don't think he got any carries that I recall. Yeah. Maybe he had some special teams and maybe he was in there for a couple of plays, but I just thought, yeah, maybe give him the ball a couple of times. I, you know, I'm not saying take it away from, from Elijah, but, I just thought that maybe that would be a better way to do it, but it, you know, well, it's fine. Right. I mean, you had Wilson and I'm not saying not to give the ball to Debo or to any of these guys, but you don't always have to run them. Right. I just feel like Debo takes a, I mean, anybody, they all take a pounding when they run the ball. Right. So sometimes you could just get even, even like a quick screen, I feel like is better than a run because then you don't have five guys tackling Debo or, you know what I mean? It's just a, a little less wear and tear on these guys considering they take such a pounding and now the season's 17 games off. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're wrong, but I mean, <laughs> Mitchell played 55% of the snaps. That's it. Wilson played 20% of the snaps. Jamichael hasty played 12%. Like he's that's playing half the snaps is not, close to overuse right. you know so it's not like he's he's not in there every snap picking up blitzes going what he that i mean i'm sh i i'm sure i'm sure most people like give him the ball more like i don't need him more 20 carries is good you give him 20 carries i mean kyle's dream is 40 carries a game so you give your main back 20 you mix in you know another 10 to 12 yet you know you have the low 30s that's a you know you're not going to run 40 times too often but you get into the 30s so but that again that's my point is he's not being overused you know he, he, he yeah jeff wilson did not get a carry but he's in there on 20 percent of the snaps so he's either picking up blitzes he's carrying out fakes he's out in the pass i mean he's doing something so and like I said, in this game, the 2021 carries, that's not overuse. It's just when it starts escalating. And again, it's the, oh God, he's out again. That's all we're all trying to avoid. He's right. being out again. Yes. But again, this is, he's, it's not like a car running out of gas. It's not cumulative. Could be, you can get hurt on the first play. You can get hurt on the last play. I mean, it's, it's just one of those, some, and people who get injured seem to get injured often. You know, people who, have Ironman streaks and never get hurt. They just never get hurt. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. So don't regulate, you know, just, just let them go. Let them, let them go. Uh, anything else about anything else about the, the, the Texans game before we move on? 
silence apparently means no. So um, let's move on. Spin us around the NFL with what caught your eye, Gary. Well, you know, I thought we were going to, for our around the NFL segment, I thought we were going to talk about these teams that might need fixing because it seems as though there are quite a number of them. Um, And for me, there are obviously two teams, (laughs) the ones that who already have coaching vacancies, um, one of them being Jacksonville, the other one being Las Vegas. And in Jacksonville, holy cow. I mean, my goodness, the Patriots just handed it to them. And they've just had such a bad season. I don't know if you guys heard, but apparently for their final game of the season, they're going to have a bunch of fans dressed up as clowns to go to the game, just not only voice their displeasure at how Shad Khan has just driven their team into the ground, but also to protest the fact that Trent Bulky has been retained. And so they're going there to protest and voice their displeasure by wearing clown suits. And as a 49er fan, I sympathize with them. I understand your pain. And I really appreciate your creativity because I love that. But as far as uh, what we can do to help Jacksonville and their plight, help, help fix their, their situation, if it were up to me, I would, I think I mentioned this last time, I would bring in someone with, you know, NFL street cred who will jive with Trevor Lawrence. I think that's like the most important thing because he's your franchise quarterback. And right now I know that Doug Peterson was already interviewed and, you know, being from the Andy Reid uh, coaching tree, plus having a Super Bowl ring to show off, uh, definitely seems like a good fit. But if for whatever reason, he doesn't pan out. I think, you know, a guy that I don't know if a lot of people have been talking about as far as Jacksonville is concerned, but, you know, Kellen Moore, I think Kellen Moore would be an interesting uh, pairing because he's a young guy who, you know, I assume could relate to Lawrence, plus Moore's helped develop Dak Prescott. So I think uh, from Jacksonville standpoint, I think those two guys would be, would be good fits. What do you guys think? Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. I was just going to add like with Jacksonville, um, I can't help but think, because I heard a couple, I heard a couple names, uh, I guess, decline that or decline to interview Jacksonville. I can't help but think that's because of Balky. It can't just because be because of the owner. I mean, maybe, but like, it's gotta be has something to do with Balky and him being there that they don't want to even go there. So, I mean, I definitely think Jacksonville needs an offensive guy. I think Peterson would be a great uh, hire. Somebody with some pro, pro experience, either that, or, you know, like I think I mentioned last week or something, um, what's his name? Uh, McDaniels or something like that. But yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think, that's part of the reason Belichick put the 50 burger on Jacksonville. And he, that was what he said to Josh. Really? This is what you want to take over right. this, this pile of steaming cow dung. And you now Josh is looking at it going, maybe not. Maybe, maybe the enticement of, you know, a Trevor Lawrence isn't all that great right now. So um, I love the pick of Doug Peterson. I actually think um, Doug Peterson is, is going to be a hot name. And I think, I, I think he'd be on top of my list. If I was an owner of a, of a team that needed a coach, he'd be on top of my list. Um, another guy who's, you know, going to be on top of some people's list. That's Jim Harbaugh. You know, now that we, we had that discussion and Jerry, I think you also were going to fix the Raiders. And uh, I'm wondering, is Jim Harbaugh part of that fix? Well, you know, after seeing the Raiders uh, upset the Colts over the weekend, I'm thinking uh, the guy, the interim guy, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think what they're really going to do is bring back Dennis Allen. 
Okay, sorry, <laughs> kidding again. No, but you're right. I think Jim Harbaugh, um, definitely a name atop the Raiders wish list, I'm sure, given his connection with, um, you know, uh, the, the organization. And I believe his representatives have, as of today, sent out some sort of communique as far as his interest in re-entering uh, the NFL. Now, whether that's legitimate, if it's sincere, or if it's just his their way of trying to get Michigan to, uh, you know, pony up another big contract, who knows. But I think for Jim Harbaugh, now would be a great time to come back. I think actually there are a couple of situations, Las Vegas or Chicago would be great places. Um, and I think another name that would be great places at, um, that would be great for either place, Las Vegas or Chicago would be Sean Payton. I think one of those organizations should try to pry Sean Payton away from New Orleans. And either way, if, if you know, whether they get Payton or whether they get Harbaugh, I could also see the Raiders going aggressively and trying to swing a deal for either Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. What do you guys think about that? Well, funny, funny you mentioned that because I'll get to that as one of my teams that, that I was fixing, but um, it, it's, it's interesting. The, the Raiders have been interesting the whole time and it kind of coincides with what I said earlier about the Niners, about how disappointing it is to be a Niner fan right now with, everything hanging in the balance in a week 18 game on the road against the Rams who have a lot to play for the Rams. The Rams need to win to win the division. If they win, uh, if they win on Sunday, they clinch the number two spot in the playoffs, which guarantees them two home games in the playoffs. So the Rams are not going to lay down. The Rams have plenty to play for. Um, whereas the Raiders the Raiders sit in the same position as the Niners in terms of win and you're in the playoffs. But for them, it seems like this has been a great season. You know, everything considered you lose your coach, what six games in you promote a special teams coordinator. Your, you, your, your star receiver, you know, is and lands in jail. You have another DUI just this past week. You, your David Arnett gets, cut for you know touting guns on instagram what like it has been a hot mess in las vegas yet they sit in the same position of win and you're in and we talked about it last time last podcast just about that's what coaching does coaching pulls these guys together on game day to get the most out of them. now what they do once they leave the building like Raiders kind of don't have a good handle on that yet. Now that's just the individual. So I got to think the Raiders are, yes, they want to get into the playoffs, but they got to be thinking so many things have not gone our way yet. We're still in this position. So, and as for head coach, I think Doug Peterson would be uh, on top of my list. I think Harbaugh would be on top of my list. Um, and I think, I think Sean Payton's a very intriguing candidate, especially considering uh, the Saints situation. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to add, I guess, that, you know, I think that um, Harbaugh was a name that I threw out there like a while back. And I thought Raiders would be a good fit. I mean, you talk about Jacksonville needing some discipline. I think the Raiders need some discipline as well, looking at all their recent stuff that's happened. And that's what Harbaugh brings, right? He, he brought discipline and got the most out of the Niners, and he was tough. And, I mean, he'd be, I think, a great fit there. And I think maybe – Michigan getting blown out this past weekend is a sign to him. You know what? You did what you could. You beat Ohio State. You had a great year. Time to go back to the NFL. And it's coincidentally, I hear today, 
well, we might be wanting to go back to the NFL. Like, okay, yeah, so that I can see that happening, right? So definitely seems going to the, going to the Raiders for sure. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Harbaugh's Mr. Disciplinarian, considering during his Niner years, a lot of the Niners ended up on the police blotter. But <laughs> um, uh, Harbaugh is a turn it around guy. Like he'll take he'll take a a team like he did with the Niners, like he did with Michigan, and he turns them around. And I don't know if there's going to be a better opportunity for him right now. I mean, he's he didn't win the national championship, but he went he wins the Big Ten. He beats Ohio State. He goes to the playoffs. He's a pretty introspective guy. He'll look in the mirror and he's got to understand Michigan just does not have the pull that these SEC teams do. It's going to be incredibly hard. I mean, going to the playoff is determined by if you beat Ohio State. I mean, that, that's all Michigan. They can't stub their toe against anybody else and you have to be Ohio state. And that is just, that's a steep hill to climb compared to the, the NFL where you go in there and you get to 10, 11 wins. You're in the playoff. You're in the, the, the chance for a super bowl, you know, like, is he really going to be happy stepping back and going to the sun bowl or the gator bowl or the outback bowl? You know, if, if, you know, he goes 10 and three next year, you leave right now, you can you can say, I've done so much for my alma mater. I've left them in an infinitely better place than than where I left. But who knows? It all could it all could be a money. Remember, he was made one of the highest paid coaches when he first went to Michigan. Last year he got his paid, you know, docked down to like eight, eighth highest in the Big Ten. So it very well could be his representatives are saying. Ah, NFL is ready to give him, you know, eight, nine million dollars again. So Michigan, what do you want? You know, you want to keep him or are you going to let him walk? So yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you were going to fix Denver and Cleveland, which I thought was hilarious that you picked <laughs> Cleveland. So well, yeah, that, that's why it's funny that I picked Cleveland, right? Um, so yeah, I'll start with, I'll start with Cleveland, even though whatever, but um yeah, so Cleveland, it's not so much that you need to fix necessarily their like coach or their owner, which maybe those guys, you know, their owner has their, his own issues. But my why I wanted to pick Cleveland was you cannot like I don't know how much I can emphasize this like 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 it's my money. You cannot pay Baker Mayfield some extended contract, dude. You got to go into next year. I know you already picked up his fifth year option. That's that's fine. Whatever whatever that is, but you still got to go after a Jimmy G or a Deshaun Watson. I'm playing Case Keenum. There's no way I'm playing Baker Mayfield. This was a Super Bowl ready team. So I don't know what you fix. Like if you're not going to fix Stefanski, right? So it's the quarterback or you got to get more out of your team or you, and you got all these players, like all these pro bowlers, Nick Chubb, right? Like run the ball, Stefanski. Like, what are you doing? I think Pittsburgh was like one of the worst rated defense, you know, run, run defenses. And they just could pass the ball. Hooper wasn't helping him at all, just dropping everything that came his way. But yeah, just Cleveland, like that was a ready to win team, even though Todd and I don't really love Baker, but like, and he showed like, this was a big year for him and he showed he couldn't do it. So, I mean, you can't pay him. I mean, you got to move on, draft a guy, sign a guy, whatever you need to do, but that's what Cleveland needs to do and get these guys playing a little bit better because I think that's probably one of the most disappointing teams I think this year. 
Yeah, I know. I, I absolutely agree, especially, especially last night uh, against Pittsburgh. I know it was Ben's farewell game at Heinz Field, but that's your rival. I mean, that, that is your arch enemy. That's your, you know, Lex Luthor to Superman type thing. And you come, I mean, look, you guys know how I feel about Baker. I think he's terrible. I think he's overrated. I mean, the best thing about him are his commercials, you know, so hopefully he goes to a nice media market and gets some good <laughs> endorsements. But as a football player, he's not a I, – I don't believe he's a leader, and I don't believe he's good enough to, you know, lead a team to to the promised land. So uh, I'm with you. You got you got Miles Gary, you got Nick Chubb, you got – you got enough talent on there, and, you know, you, you came up well short. So who do you think they're going to replace him with? What is your recommendation? What is your, what is your, what is your crystal ball tell you? We well, just told you Case Keenum. Right, that's it. I would go with Case Keenum. Because <laughs> he's worse than Baker Mayfield, but then maybe you swing a trade for Jimmy G if he's willing to go there. He'd be better than Baker. Um, maybe can you get an Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes? Probably not. You go all in on Deshaun Watson. I mean, there's, or you're going to just draft a guy and just whatever to see who's the best. Uh, the best in training camp, I guess. All right. What about Denver? Fix Denver. Yeah, so, so, so Denver, I mean, I just, I, the reason I picked Denver is because, I mean, I, I know Fangio is like, he's, he's been okay, but I just think you have to blow it up. I don't know who's in, in charge there really anymore, whether it's Elway or he gave it to that other guy that they hired, uh, Pat Patton or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think, they have talent there. I heard this like on the radio as well. Like you have some talent there in your receiving core. You got Javante Williams, you got Noah fans. I mean, they have some players on defense, but they're, they're, what are they like seven and nine over the record is, I mean, they're just still not quite good enough. And so I think even though Fangio may be good, maybe good with defense, it's just another disappointing year. So I think you have to run them out of there. And then like what Jerry mentioned earlier, maybe a Kellen Moore, you know, played at Boise State, some familiarity with Denver, maybe something like that. Bring in this young offensive mind, um, you know, just something to just uh, to spark the fan base. Because I think if you go another year with Fangio, it's like, oh, my God, like they, they should be better and they just need to go in a different direction. So I think maybe a guy like Moore would be uh, a good hire there in Denver. Um. I, I, I would agree. I, I thought this was a make the playoffs or, you know, get fired type of year for Fangio. Um, you know, he's had, he's had a number of years there to, to make it work. He's never had the quarterback now, whether it's because he didn't pull the strings, he didn't pound the table enough. He didn't have the front office help, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I think, I think the team got absolutely most, I think Fangio got the most out of his team because they played hard. They, they didn't give up those types of things, but I think the old crusty defensive guy just isn't enough right now. Like I don't feel bad for him because, you know, he's going to, he's going to land on his feet, you know, cause he's going to be snatched up by somebody as one of the top assistants, because there's going to be plenty of new head coaches. And you guys were talking about the, you know, the Kellen Moores, the Eric B. Enemies, the Byron Lett, all of those guys are offensive minded and are going to have no problem, you know, allowing a guy like Fangio to come in and run the defense. Heck, if Harbaugh gets the job in Vegas, right. don't think, don't think, you know, Fangio's not going to be first on his 
you know, speed dial to come down and, you know, work with them. Even though, even though Gus Bradley's done a nice job, you know, Harbaugh will get the gang back together. And, you know, we saw, we saw when, you know, Fangio was with the Niners, what he did. So uh, I, I agree. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say, though, is, you know, if Harbaugh goes there, then Fangio can join him in, in Las Vegas. And the other thing I forgot to mention we had, was, yeah, the quarterback. I mean, you, you got this Bridgewater guy, and, you know, this, you got to fix the quarterback. So, again, that's you know, they're drafting a guy, but maybe they'd be a big player for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what's going on there exactly, but I would say Aaron Rodgers, possibly to Denver, maybe that'd be a good fit. Yeah, I mean, if I, I mean, as much as you guys are, are sending Harbaugh his khaki pants and – and uh, Fangio to Vegas already. I, I personally say not so fast. I don't know what the relationship is between Patton and Fangio. Obviously, Fangio was already there, not not you know not Patton's guy to begin with. But maybe you know if they, like Todd said, you know he's gotten the most out of this team, and if they can somehow swing a deal to get Aaron Rodgers, as you just mentioned, Jeff. I mean, that'd just be like uh, Aaron Rodgers or sorry, uh, like, like Peyton Manning going to the Broncos. I mean, Aaron Rodgers would be his own offensive coordinator, you know, and Fangio works the defense and may, may work out. I mean, it's not like, it's not like the coaches that they've had in the past. I mean, is Gary Kubiak really, really, you know, stirring anybody's drink over there, but he won with, uh, with Peyton Manning. Right. So, you know, I, I think, I think if you can, if they can swing a deal and get Aaron Rodgers, I think they have enough talent there where they can be de- a definite contender, not just for the playoffs, but for the Super Bowl. That's how much talent I think they have. Yeah. Well, let me jump in here and fix a couple teams. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix uh, – first of all, I'm going to fix Houston. And I just – we just watched Houston. And I got to say, I was mildly impressed with, with Mills. I, I don't think he's Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers. I think he's, I don't know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, take your, take your middle of the road quarterback right now. Um, and if I'm Houston, I'm keeping Cully and I'm keeping Mills. So I'm keeping the head coach and I'm keeping the quarterback. And the biggest thing I'm doing is I'm flipping Deshaun Watson. I'm sending him, I'm sending him for two ones and a two at, at minimum. And my first call is the Panthers. Can I get the Panthers to give me two ones and a two, which would include the, you know, a top 10 pick right now, they sit at number six. Can they get, would they give that to me? Thus giving Houston the number three pick and the number six pick. And if with that, you're looking at the Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, or uh, what's his name? Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama at number three. So you're looking to get a transcendent edge rusher or an offensive tackle. Then you're dropping down. If you're able to swing it to the Panthers when they're number one pick, then you're looking at picking up someone like Drake London, the USC wide receiver, or Derek, Derek Stingley, the cornerback at LSU. And all of a sudden you have a quarterback who is competent. You're addressing the offense and defensive line. They have two restricted or not restricted, but two free agents in, um, Christian Kirksey and Eric Wilson, who are their linebackers. So now if you can get them signed with your, what is it? $37 million in salary cap space, you get them signed. And then the big target I go after, Devin McCourty. They got the the New England pipeline. McCourty's a free agent. 
You probably have to overpay to get to him, but you get him to come down there. You got your, your top of the line rookie on the front. You got your middle, you got your linebackers at the second level and you got McCordy, you know, sitting there at the back end. All of a sudden you have a defense that is at least serviceable. Now can you piece together some other pieces? Because we've seen, you can go get running backs, you know, you can find a tight end. So that's my fix for, for uh, Houston. It's not sexy because you're keeping Cully and you're keeping the quarterback, but I think what the Deshaun Watson piece just sitting out there, they're not, I mean, obviously they're not going to sit on him. I don't think he's going to play for Houston again. They're going to trade. So start the shopping. And if you can't get them to the Panthers outside of the conference, maybe you do try and swing something to the Dolphins. Or if you swing something, maybe, and there's another team I was thinking about trying to fix, was the New York Giants. But they're unfixable right now. I, I could not find the right tools to fix them. But there's, there is a team, you know, that is in such disarray. You're talking about blowing it up. I just don't know how Gettleman and Joe Judge survived, you know, past Black Monday. But that's my that's my initial thoughts on Houston. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think Cully keeps his job mainly because it's just not that desirable of a job. I mean, who else are they going to get to take that job? Maybe if Casario can convince your buddy Josh McDaniels to come down there. You know, but beyond that, I think Cully, you're right. Cully will, will be retained. He'll keep the seat warm another year for, for the, the next guy. Um, sending Deshaun Watson to Carolina is interesting. I'm sure Carolina, Carolina will pretty much give up whatever it takes to get Deshaun Watson. They'll even send their coach, Matt, seven-year rule to Houston if, if they want him. I mean, yes, absolutely. I think David Tepper – um, will do whatever it takes to, to get a Deshaun Watson. So I definitely can see that happening. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree as well. I think uh, he and Coley and, and Mills, they've been, you know, somewhat impressive, right, with four wins or whatever they have. Um, but, yeah, they, they have to do something with Deshaun. Like, this is enough already. Like, you, you have to trade in, whether it's two ones or two ones in the two. I mean, just you have to just get rid of them and move on. You can't play this game forever. Like, this this offseason, they better do something here because it's kind of getting silly. And, and yeah, then you fix your you fix, you fix a line, you fix something else. And the other thing to add to that is maybe they need some other playmakers of sorts because Brandon concussion protocol cooks, whether he's under contract, I'm not sure, but uh, he can't be the only guy making any plays out there. So uh, they need to get some playmakers in there. Yeah, they're not, they're not too bad. I mean, you know, Davis Mills is serviceable and, and Coley's done okay for his first year. So we'll, we'll see what they can do. But you got to do something with Deshaun. Davis yeah. Mills looked like Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Davis Mills does look like Kirk Cousins, you know, and that's, you know, that's, that's, you know, that, that's a guy that we didn't talk about, but right. you know, what, what a waste with your season on the line to be sitting at home on your couch against the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, but Hey, make your bed, you lie in it. Um, the other team that I wanted to fix only because it was interesting was the Seattle Seahawks. Because there is so much rumbling in this past offseason um, regarding uh, Russell Wilson, they just completed essentially their worst season since he's been there. So they got some they got some reflecting to do. And if Russell Wilson still is going to hold true to he's willing to be shopped, well, now's the time to shop him because you're going to have to 
to rebuild. You, you've done kind of what you could, you know, piecing things together around him. Um, so let's do this. Carroll signed until 2025. So not that money is an issue in Seattle, but you're not, you didn't just sign the guy, you know, last year to let him walk with, you know, three years remaining on his contract. Um, so you're going to keep Carroll. Why not flip Russell Wilson? Why not flip Russell Wilson to the New York Giants? The New York Giants have picks five and eight in this year's draft. They got two. Remember, Seattle is without a first rounder because they gave it up to get Jamal Adams. So now you, if you ship Russell Wilson to the uh, ship Russell Wilson to the Giants, you can get their their two number ones this year and probably a number one in the, in the following year. So you know you're sitting there. Well. What, what happens if you're, you're uh, Seattle and Jerry, you actually mentioned it earlier. We get as the Raiders owner, I'll give you two first round draft picks for Derek Carr, you know? So if, if you want to do that, all of a sudden Seattle flips Russell for three ones, gives up two ones, maybe a second or something and to go get Derek Carr and then you've replaced your quarterback. You replaced him with a guy who is in the same ballpark age-wise. He's in the same ballpark athleticism-wise. He can, he can produce. He can get the ball deep. You got Lockett and DK. Your offense, you know, your offensive skill positions are pretty made. Then I was shocked to see this. Seattle's got $53 million in salary cap space already to spend. So first thing I'm doing is, I'm targeting either Cam Robinson or Andrew Norwell, both the Jacksonville linemen. Now Jacksonville will probably tag one of those guys. They're both 20, what are they? Robinson's 26 and Norwell's 30. So both of them are in their prime. Jacksonville can only tag one of them. I'm offering a boatload to whichever guy they don't get. That's going to bring a guy to the offensive line to shore up something that has been, it's been tough with Russell because he's so elusive. He gets out of it. You know, he's never where you think he's going to be. Derek Carr drops back and throws the ball. Get an offensive line that's going to protect him. Get an offensive line that's going to open up some running holes. Now you got something. And then the next thing I'm doing is I'm going out and I'm signing Justin Reed from Houston. And I'm signing him because Jamal Adams is an absolute liability in everything but tackling. You know, he cannot cover the the days of, I'm sorry, but the days of Tim McDonald playing close to the line, those safeties just don't exist anymore. Those safeties turn into Marcel Harris and get turned into linebackers. So Jamal Adams is a liability. You need someone back there who's young, athletic, Justin Reed, the kind of guy, and says, I've already fixed Houston by bringing in Devin McCourty. Justin Reed is expendable as a free agent, so he's going to go on to, to Seattle. So that's how, that's what I would do with Seattle. You're so kind. I was, you know, I, I too felt like Seattle needed to make changes, but I would just blown up the whole thing and brought in Trent Balky as their general manager and brought Jim Tom Sula as their head coach. Come on. Right. What are you doing? Why do you want to be good? That's what I would do. Jeez. But no, yeah, I, I agree as far as, you know, if they're going to move somebody, if somebody's going to be moved, just because he wants to be moved is most likely going to be Russell Wilson. They keep um, Pete Carroll. Cause like you said, they just extended his contract not too long ago. 
Um, you know, I was thinking the exact same thing in terms of Russell Wilson going to Vegas and getting a guy like Derek Carr back because, you know, a guy at Pete Carroll's age, he's not going to just send Russell Wilson off somewhere without, and then have no quarterback to work with. And that's why I think it wouldn't make sense for Russell Wilson to go to the New York giants, even though it's the New York market, because a, they couldn't send a viable quarterback back to Seattle and B the giants aren't going to win for another however many years. And Russell Wilson, I mean, part of the reason why he wants to move on is because he feels like he, he wants to find greener pastures um, with another organization. Um, so yeah, so I think Russell Wilson going to Vegas, Derek Carr coming back along with some picks makes a lot of sense. I am shocked. I had no idea they had all that cap space either. Um, but man, yeah, if they, they could definitely retool um, quickly. If uh, you know, if used, if that cap space is used wisely. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess I'm sad. I mean, um, Russell Wilson it hasn't been happy with his offensive line if he has no trade or if he has a no trade clause, I don't know if he's going to approve that trade to the giants where he get his ass kicked even more, which, but one thing that's interesting uh, as far as like a trade though, is, is are the saints because he mentioned that team. I thought that was kind of odd. The saints like that. I didn't, I wasn't thinking of the saints when he said that like last year, but so maybe the saints would be a position a play, place where he would go, you know, and, and cause they need a quarterback as well. And that's, what's interesting about like all these fixes. There's so many teams that actually fixing when you start looking at it and so many quarterbacks, this is going to be a really interesting off season with all these quarterback movements, whether it's Deshaun or Russell or draft picks or, or whatever. So like, it's gonna be really interesting to see. And yeah, all the cap space and the caps going up. And so, yeah, it's, but it'll be interesting. And I know Todd likes facts. And the fact is that Jimmy Garoppolo lost to the Seattle Seahawks twice this season to the worst Seattle Seahawks team they've had in, over, in about a decade. That, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and if, if the Niners lose uh, against the Rams and the Saints win and the Saints take that, that last playoff spot, that, those, that's the game. Those are the two games you're going to be looking at. You're going to be looking at losing to inferior competition. You can almost chalk up the games to Tennessee, number one seed in the AFC or, or Arizona, you know, who was playing, you know, whatever they were eight and one, 10 and one at, at, at one point, you can almost understand those losses. You cannot understand losing twice to Arizona, to, uh, to, to Seattle. That's going to be the one that comes back to haunt you. No doubt. Or to Cole McCoy and the J Arizona JV team. Don't forget that one. Well, that, 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 that one is true. Um, I, I always, I still put that game on the coaching staff because they just did not seem prepared to, you know, stop the, the two yard dump off pass, but you're right. You know, those, right. those games are, are the ones that you look back on. And, and again, you even look back, you look back on the Colts game in the monsoon when the Colts were, I don't know, what were they like one in three, one in four, they were stumbling. You're like, Oh, they can, you know, it turns out the Colts are pretty good. Now who knows what the, the rain, the rain had to do with it, but yeah, those Seattle games are going to come back to haunt them if the Niners don't don't win and make the playoffs. Now, with that said, you know, it's Rams week. We didn't even lay out the playoff scenarios, but when in they're in or if the Saints lose to the Falcons, they're in. So I don't want to have to put my, you know, I, I don't want to have to bet on the Falcons winning, um, but – Taysom Hill and the Saints, boy, I guess, 
you know, Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, Ian Book, Jam- Jameis Winston, Saints. Um, so I don't know. What, so we talked about Trey. Uh, Jerry, you talked about it's going to come down to the coaching staffs, having them ready and, and getting, you know, D'Amico calling the right plays and doing doing whatever it takes. The Niners are on a five-game winning streak against the Rams. The Rams have plenty to play for. What, what's your what are your thoughts going into week 18 of the NFL season? I don't know. I'm just going to have to put my, put my faith in, in the Niners and Trey Lance and all those playmakers. They got Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, Jawan Jennings. He'll be catching the winning pass. Put it on the board. Oh, oh, oh. The, the bold prediction. The bold prediction. Right. Yeah. I mean, the unprecedented 18th week, never before seen, right? <laughs> like, but what, first of all, before we get to the Niners, what's disgusting to me, not disgusting, I don't know what the word is, but the Saints, with whatever the hell they have at quarterback, Ian Book, I was like, no way I'm drafting that guy. He fucking sucks. And, and the, he's the quarterback for the Saints? Are you kidding me? And I'm they're going to be the on Notre Dame Irish. I thought you loved Notre Dame. No, but he was, he was not good. And you're telling me that <laughs> that's potentially a playoff team? Can't have it, dude. Like, no, no, no chance. Like, so we have to win this game. Since I mean, yeah. So yeah, they got Matt Ryan on the Falcons. They're playing at home. Can they pull this off? Because you can't. I can't have the Saints and the Eagles in the playoffs. That that just does not work for me. Um, but yeah, back back to the Niners. I mean, these guys have to come ready to play. The Rams are going to be ready to play. I mean, it's going to be a really good game. It would be on Sunday night if not for the fact that. The other Sunday night game is going to be winning your end. So um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. They, they just have to come, come ready to play. And then and this is it. And I don't know how else, how else more to emphasize that. I mean, whether it's Trey, Elijah, Debo, I mean, Kittle, like it's get Kittle more involved, like see who our secondary is going to be. I mean, man, it's definitely a nerve wrack. Like you said, Todd, like this is, a lot to expect, you know, this week 18 against the Rams and, and they're going to be burning too. Cause they're like, well, we haven't beat this team five in a row or whatever. So, I mean, man, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough game, but I can't see the saints and the Eagles and the, come on. It's Jimmy G's parting gift. One more game of angst and he's not even playing. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. One, one more game on the edge of your seat. Hope, hoping behind hope it all works out. So, yeah. Uh, with that said, we all won our survivor pick. We go into week 18 with, with, I don't know what to choose. Do you choose a good team? Because any good team still available might be wrestling guys. I mean, if you're the Packers and nothing to play for, if you're the, you know, are you really playing any chiefs? I, I don't know. Do you play a team like the saints who have to win? Give it to me. Who is your final Regular season lock of the week. I wish I had a good answer for you, Todd, but I haven't even looked at the schedule. So can I pass it off to Jeff and I'll and come back to me? Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, you bet. Because I was looking at this earlier, and if there's a few teams I could pick, but one team that I haven't picked, and I can't believe I've been doing this, but I'm gonna have to go with my Raiders <laughs> and, and whether it's because of John Madden passing God rest his soul um, which maybe they'll play for maybe it's all meant to be with Basakia and this Madden and Gruden and all these guys getting arrested 
or <laughs> or the fact that it's as simple as the Chargers will find a new way to Charger like they do every week, losing to the Texans or losing to whomever. Super, I don't, I don't even know what the word is. Ridiculous. They're, they're right up there with the Browns as far as disappointments, right? Because I thought for sure they'd be a playoff team and they're sitting at nine and seven. So I'm going to go with the Raiders winning at home after this horrendous season they've had over the Chargers because the Chargers can't figure it out. Love it. I love it. Love it. Jeff, Jeff, it pains Jeff's soul just a little bit to have this. Right. right. <laughs> you know, so um, I, I, I ran out of teams that I have any faith in. And the only team that I have available that I think is going to have a little bit of pride to play for is the Washington football team. It, it helps that they're playing the no pride Joe Judge New York Giants. But I got to think Ron Rivera is not going to want to, you know, he, he's not one, two, three Cancun. He's, he's going to have those guys as ready to play. Now, whether they're good enough to win, I don't know. Just, but give me the Washington football team against the New York Giants. It's the only way I'll pay attention to that game at all is if I have a survivor pick on it. So give me WFT. All right, well, I'm ready. And speaking of a game that I don't even need Survivor to be paying attention to because we were just talking about it, it's the Saints-Falcons game. And because we need the Falcons, boys. We need the Falcons. And this goes against all logic because the Falcons are terrible in general, but they're also terrible at home. And you would think that the Saints would not be as good on the road, but unfortunately, they actually have a winning record on the road. But I'm going to be taking the Atlanta Falcons because we need that win, baby. We need that win, and I think the Falcons will do, and Matt Ryan will do Kyle Shanahan a, a favor for old time's sake and take care of them Saints because, like you said, you cannot have the three-headed quarterbacking monster of Trevor Simeons, of Ian Book, and of, of uh, what's the other guy, number seven? Simeon Book and and uh Taysom Hill. Right. Taysom Hill. We cannot have that. We cannot right. have, cannot that. have that. No. As much as I love Alan Kamara, we cannot have that. And as much as Dennis Allen and that defense is carrying that team, I don't know. We do not want that. We want Trey Lance and the Niners in the playoffs. So I am taking the Atlanta Falcons, the Dirty Birds of the South. Let's go. Well, go. it's Time for the Dirty Birds to, you know, win one for old Dan Reeves, who passed away as well. So maybe maybe they're going to channel that and get the Dirty Bird going. So, let, yeah. you know, hey, nothing would make me happier than to be watching the Niner game and just see the Falcons 7, 14, 21, 28, nothing, 35, you know, yeah. career day by Matt Ryan. You know, Kyle Pitts eclipses 1,000 yards and becomes the all-time rookie tight end leader in yardage in a season, you know, give it to me. I'm, I'm here for all of that. So uh, with that said, um, the only other thing I wanted to touch on, and I don't know, before we get to final thoughts, we, we talked about John Madden in our last podcast. We all kind of had our final thoughts about him. And uh, it was fun to see all the clips of him throughout the week. It was, it was great that the NFL, you know, took the moment of silence before all of the games to honor Madden. 
And I think there's discussion about how best can the NFL honor Madden? You know, you already have the Lombardi trophy, so you're not going to change that. Can, can you name something after John Madden? Can you, can it be the John Madden Super Bowl? Is it the coach of the years and the John Madden coach? What is it? The John Madden NFL hall of fame. What, what do you guys think, if anything, or if, if, if you know, what, what not, what's the, what's a good way to honor John Madden? Is the coach of the year name for any, anybody else at the moment? I don't believe so. Well, then I think that would be it because I think deep down, if you asked him, that's what he prided himself in and that's what he wanted to be known for. So I, I think having the coach of the year being named after him would be apropos. Nice. Well, I guess, I guess for me, uh, 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 two things, I guess, I don't know, not that it has, I guess, to do with football, but they have like an announcer award. Maybe that would be one way to go. Like uh, this Madden announcer award. I don't know if they have that, but the other one is I can't take credit for it, but I heard it. Maybe this is what you're going to say, Todd is, you know, renaming the all pro team, the all Madden team, because everyone always talked about how it was, how great it was to make the all Madden team, even though it was like the tough guys. So I don't know if that'd be appropriate, but maybe that'd be just cool just because it was a thing that he had an all Madden team. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard that, but I think that's, that is a, a, a great way. Um, I don't, I don't have a, a good way to, to do it, but if somehow you could name the Thursday Thanksgiving day games as you know, that John Madden weekend, the John Madden triple header, whatever it is, because, you know, so often, what you know, you talked about him doing the Cowboy games, the turducken, you know, all those types of things. And, and it's the type of thing that it's in the middle of the season. So it, it'll continually get remembered year after year. Um, I, I think that I think the coach of the year uh, awards a great idea, but I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you who won the coach of the year last year. It's, it's, it's great for insiders and it's great to once a year at the end of the year, say the John Madden coach of the year award goes to, you know, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, whatever for the moment. So um, I love the, I love the change in the all pro to the all Madden. You know, if there was some way each year on, on Thanksgiving to, to name it the, the John Madden triple header, I'm all for that. But I think, I think, you know, People are in rooms, you know, kicking these things around and hopefully they come up with, with something appropriate for the man who touched so many and is instrumental in so many people loving, knowing, playing, watching uh, the NFL. So with that said, Jerry, final thoughts. So given that it's the new year, it's obviously the season for New Year's resolutions. And though guys like Bill Belichick might not be a fan of them, I still think it's important for, you know, the NFL to take the New Year's resolution thing more seriously because their New Year's resolution should be to improve the game by getting rid of a lot of the stupid rules that's hurting the game. Beginning with the absurd emphasis on taunting. I mean, even the people who supposedly defend it ultimately end up despising it like Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin, who apparently supports the NFL's crackdown on taunting. Well, he did until the flag was thrown at one of his players, because I remember Tomlin took issue with the taunting call against his team a couple of weeks ago, saying that the officials have to exercise some common sense, to which I laughed, 
Because, come on, everyone knows the zebras have no common sense, which is why the emphasis on taunting was fraught with problems to begin with. So please, do everyone a favor, and let's just get rid of all the ticky-tack emphasis of taunting and just go back to the way it used to be. Speaking of ticky-tack, how about we also re-examine what constitutes a personal foul, unnecessary roughness, because... I mean, I know we need to protect the quarterbacks from getting maimed like they used to in the 80s and 90s, but the rules have definitely taken it too far to the point where defenders are being punished for essentially making a good play. Now, if someone's taking pot shots at a guy or being deliberately malicious, then by all means, flag his ass. But far too often are we seeing the momentum of a game change when then all the defender did was make a good play. So. I don't have a channel to John Madden up in football heaven, but I'm sure he would be all for that. And if John Madden's for that, then we should all be for that. Thank you very much. And again, happy new year. <laughs> um, one, I, I will say, um, you know, your final thought, but I'll, I'm going to piggyback just a little bit. And that was someone, someone mentioned, you know why they protect the quarterback so much? is because every once in a while you get Ian Book on Sunday night football, you know? And, and I think, I mean, it was kind of tongue in cheek, but that's why, you know, you get these quarterbacks, you know, who, um, when, who was it? Was it Arden Key, you know, got flagged for going low on day? Like, you know, I get it, you know, like they, they flag him because, you know, if that's Aaron Rodgers, if that's Tom Brady, you know, that's, that's, that's not momentum changing that season altering. So I get it, you know, and I, I wish, I wish there was some way to exercise some common sense on those types of, of things. Just like I wish that, you know, when you jump up in the air and you, if you graze the top of the guy's helmet, it's, it's not really roughing the passer, but that's why, because nobody wants to watch Baker Mayfield's torn shoulder against Ben Roethlisberger's 82 year old body, you know? So Jeff, final thought. Yeah, and as much as I'd love to uh, rip on the refs as well, I think I'm going to take a break this week from that. And uh, I'll go on a couple of other things. First of all, I want to say congratulations, not to Mike Tomlin on the 15 winning seasons, but on Kyle Shanahan, who's guaranteed a winning season, which I believe is his second time since he's been here. So Congratulations, I think, is due to him for a winning season, even though the season's not over yet, but he's going to have a winning season. So I guess it's appropriate to give him that. Um, and then Washington football team, I guess, is going to finally announce their uh, mascot at some point next month. Um, but I just thought it was uh, funny because I was, I was thinking about it today uh, with Jalen Hurts and uh, talking about what, what action are you taking uh, as far as your stadium falling apart and and I just thought, like, do they still play RFK? No, that's like, that's old, right? I was like, I had to look it up. I looked at the map. I'm like, where do they play? I'm like, get a stadium. We're always complaining about, like, our stadium. But, like, I don't think theirs is very old. What the hell's going on there? Why is it falling apart? I heard the Philadelphia announcers on the radio today. I heard that they didn't even go to the game because it was a dump. They didn't go to the game? <laughs> was it, is that the same stadium where there was sewage getting on the spectators? Like, that's a disaster. So their, their owner needs to either sell that team or do something else there. That's another team that needs to be fixed. 
Um, <laughs> so, and then the other thing is, um, I did continue watching Hard Knocks. I watched episode two and I actually thought that was a really good episode. I thought it was really informative. And I, I got a lot out of it. I really enjoyed it. So Jerry, if you haven't checked it out, I would definitely check it out because I haven't got next episode three yet, but at least episode two, I really, I enjoyed it. So. I think you just found Washington's new name. They should yeah. be called the Washington Disasters. Disasters. Oh, see, I thought you were going to say the Washington sewage on the field. <laughs> <laughs> Disaster pretty much covers it all. The tumbling, the right. lawsuits. What is going on? on the field. Yeah, so um, I'd like to echo what Jerry started off with, which was Happy New Year, because it's been another roller coaster of a year. And I know it frustrates Jeff to no end, not the officials, but the COVID protocols that are in place for the NFL. And nothing's more upsetting than not necessarily the protocols, but just not knowing what's going on. So I hope, and I don't know how you do it, but I hope the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, Get your houses in order because while it's not rocket science or curing the, you know, cancer or feeding the homeless, you know, it's the entertainment that all of us crave. And that is the opportunity to spend two or three hours outside of our own, you know, lives of day-to-day work and school and chores and bills to enjoy some athletic competition. So I hope that the organizations do what they can to make sure these games do get played. Even at the expense of, you know, stepping on a few toes that the players want to be able to do some things because before long, they're not going to be able to do anything. And we're going to go back to NBA in the bubble and Major League Baseball has a 60 game season and none of us enjoyed that. So I hope all the organizations get their houses in order and and put together protocols that are fair and substantial and allow plenty of these games to be to be played for my own selfish enjoyment. So I hope I hope that does uh, the thing. Um, And and finally, in again, the spirit of the new year, I hope that more people will just enjoy the new year. I know people have been, you know, locked down and, and, and whatnot, but go do something, go on an adventure, just do whatever you want for the safety of everybody, but go do something. Because if I have to see the same people anymore, I'm going to lose my mind. So I need to get out and go do something. So <laughs> let me be the first to lead the way to go do something new. So, um, and the only the last thing is, um, it, it's it's one of those things that I enjoy. The Niners, the Niners' opponent for next year have now been locked in, even though the the games haven't been played. So, Jerry, one of your favorite cities is now officially on the the schedule. Chicago, the Niners will be once again in Chi Town, and their two home games because this year the seventeenth game was in the AFC. City that was the Bengals. Next year will be in the NFC City. Miami Dolphins, maybe Deshaun Watson coming to town to play Levi's and Jeff's Washington sewer, you know, sewage on the field team will also be coming to town. Um, 
So I always enjoy seeing the, the opponents for the schedule as I, you know, in my mind, take a trip that got, you know, randomly screwed this year because of poor scheduling, that being the Tennessee game. So those are my final, final, final thoughts. So boys, it's Rams week. It's the last week. I hope it's not the last week of the football season. Um, so strap it on and get ready because it's going to be, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how, what your guys is Sunday mornings are like, but the fact that the Niners don't kick off till one and there's going to be all this built up anxiety, you know, do, do you go and you, do you have the big breakfast? Can you stomach the big breakfast? Uh, do you have to get some calisthenics in? You go for a little jog to clear your mind of football before game time. Whatever it is you do, whatever deity you pray to, please do it because the Niners are going to need everything in our power to get the win and proceed to the playoffs. So with that said, for Jerry, for Jeff, I'm Todd. Thanks for listening to another episode of Three Side Sports. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Fingers crossed, playoff edition. <sighs> Good night.